am Orlando Jones, and I just want you to know that the Moana Nui podcast will be starting soon. Stay tuned, yo. I'm Veronica Taylor, and for myself and Ash Ketchum, I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you. Aloha my kaku. Aloha everybody. Welcome to the Moana Nui podcast and happy um, Asian American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander month. Today we continue our celebration of Native Hawaiian culture and our community of wonderful panelists who are joining us this month to talk about some very timely and important topics um, to our Native Hawaiian community. Before we get started, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Moana McAdams, and I am the founder and host of the Moana Nui podcast. Um, I'm usually joined by my partner in crime, sister, cousin, uh, Dana Morgan, but she has a commitment tonight, so we are going to imua and proceed without her, but she sends her aloha as well. Um, tonight's topic is representing Coco on the continent, and for those who are watching, and don't know what koko means. Koko is blood, the Hawaiian blood, um, which you know is is obviously very important to our community. But I really wanted to talk about this topic because the term Hawaiian often gets confused. Um, some people use the term as like someone who is from Hawaii, um, but not everybody is actually Hawaiian. Um, so koko or blood or the native Hawaiian ethnicity, the bloodline, that is what it means to be Hawaiian too. So when when you when you hear from our community, like we, we ask clarifying questions because we need to know like what are you talking about? Are you talking about somebody from Hawaii? Or are you talking from somebody who actually has the native Hawaiian bloodline? So welcome to our conversation. We hope you guys enjoy it. Um, Tonight, our moderator is going to be my sister and my cousin, LaToya Simmons. And I'm really excited to have her back on the show. Um, it's been a while since she has come on, but she has graciously decided to um, help us tonight. And um, she does a wonderful panel, so I'm really excited to have her on. If you haven't met her yet, LaToya Simmons is an emergency management specialist whose focus is in infectious diseases, she has helped investigate numerous national and international outbreaks such as COVID-19, Ebola, and Zika virus. In her spare time, LaToya enjoys volunteering in her community and cosplaying, and of course, helping us here on the Moana Nui podcast to bring such wonderful content to all of you. So with that said, let me welcome my sis LaToya Ekomumai. Oh, thank you, sis, for the wonderful introduction. And hello to all of the viewers, whether you're watching live or you're watching sometime in the future. Um, welcome to the Moana Nui podcast. And, you know, just as Moana just mentioned, for those of you who are just tuning in, our topic today is representing Coco. And so uh, Moana also mentioned what it means to her. I'll share what it means to me too. It literally, the word Coco literally means blood for those of you who are just tuning in. Um, it's the blood running through our veins and it can also be symbolic of the spiritual blood running through our veins from our ancestors 
from the land, um, from ancestral spirits and the gods. It's, it's kind of everything sort of all in one, all of the blood that flows through us. And so uh, today we have some incredible, incredible panelists who are going to talk about what Coco means to them and how it affects them in their lives and um, daily lives and also how it affects their careers. So I'd like to start by introducing them one by one. Our first panelist is Kavika Hoke. And I'm just going to do a brief introduction for him. He's a filmmaker, a writer, a storyteller, and he also hosts a podcast who discusses relevant issues on Maui. Um, he discusses issues in the world as well as things, uh, topics, hot topics in pop culture. So welcome, Kavika. Um, our next panel. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Aloha. Uh, our next panelist is Brie Kalima. She is our leader in higher education. Um, Brie is extremely accomplished. She has a million degrees, okay? A million, so, so intelligent, absolutely love her. She has a BA in uh, psychology, a BA in administration of justice, and a minor in Hawaiian studies. And then she later went on to get her MA in post-secondary educational leadership um, with a specialization in student affairs. Uh, so welcome, Brie. <laughs> and our final panelist for this evening is Michelle Manu. Michelle's resume is quite extensive. I mean, I don't even think I can cover it all right now, but just to summarize this, this woman of power, she is an actress, a martial artist, a stunt coordinator, and so much more, even uh, just incredibly accomplished in academia. And uh, Michelle, I hope you can share a little bit more with us about your accomplishments and your degrees and what you've overcome as we as we speak a little bit more. But one really cool and interesting thing about her is she teaches Lua, which is a martial arts style that's uh, um, uh, native to Hawaii, actually. And she uses it not only to just teach and preserve culture, but also to empower women through self-defense, which is absolutely incredible. So big round of applause for all of our incredibly accomplished panelists. Welcome, welcome. So you know what? We have limited time, so I'm just going to get right into it. And I just want y'all to shine tonight. Um, and we're going to start off with talking about representing cocoa as we mentioned cocoa is blood it's it's the aina it's the land it's it's the spirit of our ancestors it's the physical blood within us so i'm going to start i'm going to go around the screen um and start with kavika and kavika can you tell us where you're from and what representing cocoa means to you well uh, my uh, my grandparents are from maui my grandfather was from uh, Mahuau. my grandmother was from the pili uh they uh joined the uh, United States Marine Corps and I was uh, raised on the continent in, uh, in Oceanside, California at Camp Pendleton uh, Marine Corps base. And, uh, you know, as, as a child uh, raised abroad, you know, uh, it was very big to us to, to always stay connected, you know, more than to just, just our cocoa, but to our heritage, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're one and the same to us, you know? So it, it was, um, it was definitely a, a driving force behind my life as a child, you know, being being able to have a hui no matter where we went. We were all stationed together. Awesome. Awesome. So it definitely was ingrained in you through your bloodline, right? From a child even to adulthood. So, Michelle, do you, would you like to add to that? Like, tell us where you're from and also what Coco means to you. Yeah, I can, I can resonate with her. 
brother Kavika. Um, unfortunately, my story is a little bit different. My father left, he became a Christian and left uh, Hawaii Island and traveled to the continent and married my mother, a 5'10 Scandinavian model Victorian, without <laughs> <laughs> five kids. And uh, because it was not okay for our Hawaiian in the 60s and 70s, they wanted anything but to be that. They had to wear hair their certain way, their clothing a certain way to be respected. And even then it wasn't to the level in which they should, even on our Aina. So my father left all of that behind, took on the Christian ways and disowned his um, people. So I was raised with not allowing, not allowed to have uh, emotional, uh, any Hawaiian friends. I wasn't really allowed to say I was and because of that, my siblings, I'm the oldest, they really don't identify much with our people. But because I'm a strong-willed, out-of-control wahine, <laughs> I wondered why. Why can't I learn how to hula? Why, can, why do I have to keep it secret? Why does my mother have to skirt me around? Why, 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 why? And so at that, at, because of that, I got drawn more into who we are as a people mm. made a certain way. Why am I drawn to this? And why do I hear these voices, right? The voices that have no words that speak through us, like you said in the opening, it's also spiritual, Coco, right? And to this day now, that is what it means for me is to represent the Coco wherever I am, because I know, especially as a, as a person in the public, right? Especially with Lua, um, which is a more contentious cultural practice uh, because it's been secret, not just the world, but also our own people for so long. Um, it is very important that I maintain control over myself and choose what I respond to and represent all of us very well. Because if I have an off day, if I go off, they'll eat me alive. And they're not just going to eat me alive. They're going to say, oh, angry Hawaiian woman, right? Angry brown person. So my job is to represent all of us as properly as I can. Whether I know you or not, um, you're my ohana. And um, we all represent each other. So mahalo. <laughs> Thank you so much for that response. And honestly, on a personal level, I could relate to that too. Um, my grandmother was, you know, born native Hawaiian, but she uh, also sort of could be good to relate to your upbringing. Uh, she was in the military. So was my grandfather who was African-American and they both came to the States. They met, you know, in the military, but came to the States, had children, but my grandmother was ashamed of the heritage. She never taught us the language. She never, she, it was very rare for her to even cook foods. Like she was so embarrassed and then her family disowned her because she married a black man, right? Mm-hmm, so that's why I can relate to you, Michelle. So I want to say, so my father's side disowned, well, he left, right? So they disowned him already, mm -hmm. disowned him for marrying the devil, the white woman, right? Because they didn't believe in that. And then her family, he was so dark, he might've been, you know, he just uh, not with mm -hmm. him, right? So, mm -hmm. Yeah. You can say it. they might have been like, oh, he's too close to African or African-American, mm -mm, too brown for it. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a real dynamic. And I'm glad we're talking about this, because even I, I believe that through, through Coco, it, it, our, our our ancestors, our lineage through this, through our spiritual connections and our genetic uh, genetic connections. Uh, as well, that we're able to still carry on the, the traditions of our ancestors, carry on that curiosity to say, you know what, 
maybe our parents didn't teach us, but there's this hunger, this natural desire in us to not only learn more about ourselves, but to also teach everyone else around us what we know, um, whether they're, you know, whether they're family members or just people in our communities. Um, so with that being said, Brie, I'm going to shift over to you for a second and tell us like what Coco means to you and where you're from, actually. Yeah, aloha everyone. Um, I'm from the Ahupua'a of Honoulu'ule and Manana on the island of O'ahu. Um, I will also say where I come from, you know, it represents my family. So my dad, the Kalima side, a lot of them can be found on Hawaii Island. Um, and my mom is Japanese for like fourth generation. So a lot of her family is from O'ahu as well. Um, to me, representing Koko really is all about knowing where you come from and being proud of that. Um, mm. It resonates and shows up in holding the Lahui with me wherever I go and doing my best to serve the Lahui near and far. And I will yes. also say representing Coco to me is so much more than having the stickers and having the shirts and waving the flags, right? It means doing the work to be Hawaiian. Yes. It's so much more than just claiming it through our words, but through our actions as well. So that's how Coco and representation shows up for me. Bring you better preach, girl. Okay. You said a whole word right there. Thank you. Hair time. Okay. <laughs> um, honestly, that I think that was a great way to summarize like this section of the, the podcast because it's like, you know, we can talk all we want to. Everybody can talk a good game, but what actions are we putting behind not only what we learn, but it, our beliefs, right? How are our ancestors influencing us to where in present day, they can still have an impact through us, right? I think that's beautifully, beautifully stated. So with that being said, we talked about how, you know, um, we believe that a lot of the strength lies in our ancestors and caring for the land and actually caring for the land, not just wearing a little or having a bumper sticker on the car, not just flying the flag that's cute and everything, right? But really embracing the land and reflecting on our our historic teachers or the teachers of the present um, and, and also us, the descendants, right? So I, I believe that Coco also is just channeling those energies, whether they be literal blood lineages or spiritual ones. Um, and because we're like the, the those here on this podcast and Moana for creating this as well as Dana, we have allowed that uh, that influence to really spark a light under us for our different the different careers that we're in. So I'm an emergency management infectious diseases. That's one thing. But uh, based on your bios, all of you live incredible lives. Okay, I feel like all y'all are amazing. And so I want to I kind of want to transition into how Coco has affected your career paths. Like how has it influenced you? Um, I'm going to start with Michelle first. Um, because I do believe that just like blood in the physical body, um, our blood can flow in different parts of our body, right? And if we look at the human race or the human humans as a species, you know, blood can flow there, right? In different spheres of influence. So for you, I looked, I Googled you and I saw that you had a CBS interview where you were talking about your warrior spirit, right? That's naturally in you. Can you talk to us a little bit more about your career path and the warrior spirit and even your accomplishments in academia? Oh my gosh. Um, it's well, a lot. I know, but I just want you to <laughs> listen. I want you to shine girl because people are going to be so impressed when they hear from you. It's my least favorite topic. I guess I just never, Oh out. yeah. I never set out to like have like accolades. Cause you know, it's really yeah. 
I know they're there because, especially in academia, right? They prove to our employer that we possibly know this much and this is the, va- the value we can add. Same with martial arts ranks, right? Same with mm-hmm. degrees that we may earn or cert- certifications. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think uh, I my package was always deceiving. It's still deceiving. I mean, even now that I'm a, a tutu, like you would never understand how much rage I have in my body. Mm. I've um, work through that and not actually sabotage myself. I think all of the generational stuff uh, ended up in me somehow. I'm my mother's daughter as far as uh, that goes. Because of that, I've been able to use the metaphysical, which is also part of the warrior training of our Maoli times. It's not all martial for our koa. They, they had control over themselves and they, they learned many different things and were around it. I'm able now through my metaphysical studies to work on myself spiritually so that I can transmute that rage or anger or confusion into something productive. And so that has really been that fuel for me to be able to earn uh, degrees and to have a high focus on um, using that energy in just a different form. So Mm -hmm. the Kapuna is definitely the Kapuna who lead me every day, every moment, because now I know what that is. Because before I was stubborn and didn't want to listen to it, I had to find out the hard way. Right now I welcome pretty lessons and I understand, well, wait a minute, let's honor the pause and decide what this is. And it's always my tie, whether we are on the Aina or away from the Aina, we are always pulled and propelled back to our who we are. And so mm. every time I teach now, every time I'm anywhere, it truly is representing Coco through my actions and through how I how I represent all of us and use all of my experiences to relate to others, especially our own people. And so that they can let go of some of these things they've been fed in traditional education um, and maybe possibly from some of their family members that are erroneous, that we've been regurgitating over and over again to believe that are true, that we're close to anything that might be truthful, but we've never heard it before. So therefore it's not truthful. So staying open to what what if, as we start to truly uncover what our history is, because so much mm. is lost and buried and burned. And so let's stay open and work with one another and stay collaborative. And that's my goal in representing the cocoa on the continent. Beautifully said. I don't know if I, I don't think I can add any more to that, but, but you're right. It's about staying in touch um, in, ter- in terms of your career path. Like I know you don't want to name drop for yourself, but I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> Um, ma'am, you listen, panelists and those who are watching, you are looking at a Harvard grad right here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. George Washington University grad. Um, Michelle, take yourself off mute, girl, because I just I just want to love on you in this moment and honor you in this moment for all of your accomplishments. I know that you are humble and that's a character trait that I think is beautiful, but I also want people um, who are watching, whether right now live or in the future, I want them to be able to connect to those different facets of you. You are so multifaceted. So tell us about about Harvard. Was there a law degree in there? Was there a business degree? Um, I, I, I have a law degree, but it's not from Harvard. And, oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Certificate, where it's in, uh, what is it in? Leadership for senior executives, that was very expensive, but an honor to represent our people. I think it's 0.003 that I've ever been. And um, and then George Washington University is also um, a business credential. So nice. raising my daughter and focusing on education and having a sabbatical after my divorce to really focus on my education really 
allowed me to earn those within a, a period of time. So it was helpful for me. Listen, that's, that's, in my opinion, a way that Coco has influenced you in your career as well, right? Yeah. Just being able to go back to the, to your roots, to the core of who you are, honor that spiritual part of yourself and say, you know what? I mean, I want to accomplish something for my people. What's the best method for me? Education yeah. and, and raising my child, you know? I think, you know, the best way we can rep represent our people, whether it's on the continent or back home, is to, to operate in the current systems that we have, unfortunately. And I'm going to be teaching mm. HCC with Brandon of Nation of Hawaii, and he'll tell you, don't get caught up in all of these movements. You know, fight it within the current system in which we have to operate. We need a U.S. passport. We need a driver's license. We need to pay taxes. Let's get the education so we can be the voices in mm. The current structure that we are forced to live in so just yes yes that's wisdom right there i love it so brie i'm going to shift over to you on that note because you also have made a huge uh imprint in academia as well in terms of not only growing yourself as a professional in this system that we live in but also in representing for the culture so i'm going to ask you brie next how has coco influenced your career path specifically yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll say I've always felt called to service and learning for, yeah, as early as I can remember. I know in high school, I was involved in like Interact and Key Club, a lot of community service, land-based organizations. Uh, when I was in high school, I really thought I wanted to help Hawaiian high schoolers figure out their plans after high school, but kind of quickly realized that I really love working with college students and really love helping them persist, succeed, and eventually graduate. Um, so the strong yeah. connection I feel both to Hawaii and to Kanaka Hawaii made me realize that I wanted to dedicate my career to learning more about really what it means to be Hawaiian and to directly serve the Hawaiian community. Um, wow. So now I'm back to Hawaii. So I'm now back home in Hawaii. It's been about okay. a day over a week since I've transitioned back home. Um, and nice. I my career really serving communities of color, marginalized communities, underserved communities, um, and specifically in the last couple of years serving the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, always trying to make my way and, you know, do my things for Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian values because that's really who I am. Um, but my yes. passion really lies in serving the Hawaiian community. So that brings me here back home to Hawaii really looking to get back into this work and do direct service in um, serving Hawaiians and no longer beating around the bush or going into these larger communities like the AAPI community, the PI community, communities of color, BIPOCs, you know, I want to do direct service to the community. So yeah, I will say that being Hawaiian 100% influences my career path because I'm always thinking about you know, what is the best way to serve Hawaiians based off of the skills and the strengths and the experiences that I have. And as you mentioned, you know, I am an academic. I have been in school for such a long time. My career is in higher education. So I do see education as a power and a weapon for our liberation. And I truly yes. think Hawaiians get through higher ed specifically so that we can attain these higher degrees and hopefully better our communities, better ourselves, um, and better our lawfully. Yes, absolutely, Brie. I'm with you on that. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to find your niche 
and really get in touch with yourself to say, you know what, academia, that's where I could be most effective. I want to be on the ground helping people. I don't necessarily have to be in corporate, high up, removed from the people. I want to be in touch with the people I can actually influence. I think that's beautiful. And there's so much power in that. So next, I'm going to go to Kavika. I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, you know, tell us about you, because listen, you have an impressive resume, too. Okay, sir. So tell us about you and how Coco has influenced your career. I know you've had some experience working in Disney. Um, just tell us more about it. Well, you know, <clears throat> I mean, well, first to, to the quick Disney point, that was that was just in the parks. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I did feel it, it did have some kind of an effect on things. Sure, um, absolutely, it did. Just because it, it it really you know it I I I had quite an androgynous place in most of my life. You know, so like I, I I didn't tan until I was like nine. And then when I did, I got bugger got really dark. And then everybody's like, what are you? So then like half the time. And you're like, like human. Are, yeah. Are, are you, so it was always like, are you, are you, it was it was the, the you go down the list of like, are you Puerto Rican? Are you Latin American? Are you Middle Eastern? Are you? And so there was there was just like this this place of like, well, nobody knew what I was, but at least my grandparents knew who I was. You know, that's right. So like when I got home, it was it was easy to be Hawaiian. But when I was out in the world, like, I mean, I remember one of the first times my grandfather took me to something and he told me in advance, like, no, can't speak pigeon here, boy. You know, yeah, I got I got to have a, a, a radio voice. You got to have your 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 howly phone voice, you know, so that we can fit in. <laughs> and so, I mean, that really that really changed a lot of the way that, that I did business. You know, there were a lot of times where. I tried to use my Hawaiian-ness naturally to live my life, and I noticed where it got me into trouble, whether I wanted to or not, you know, because I either saw mm -hmm. the big picture differently or my my system for communication or action, you know, and that's the thing is like, you know, I come from, from strong Paniolo folk, and it's like, you see one problem, you got to fix them, you know, and so... There were a lot of times where I'd, I'd enter the workplace, I'd be in a boardroom, I'd, I'd be on a set. I'd be like, why, why isn't this fixed? Why isn't this changed? You know, it's, it can be so easy to make change. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, no, 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 that's the way it goes. You don't understand it. You're, you, you have a completely different mindset. You have Tarzan brain, get over it. You're not seeing it the right, right. way. You know, and that's, mm -hmm. I, and that's a lot of what my career was. And, and it's funny because I spent a lot of my life on the continent trying to fit in and then when it finally came for me to have the opportunity to come back maui like life life worked and has worked you know i mean i'm wow. now producing you know a comedy series about you know our people and not like some fake grass skirt hula lifetime thing and thank then, you, you know, thank you I'm working on you know bringing public access back to to maui county and reestablishing you know communication on molokai and lanai post-pandemic and, wow. and out here, it's it's natural to just go. I have a solution. Would you like to listen? Can we come together? Can we mm -hmm. can we do it to make this happen? You know. So a lot of a lot of what's changed my life coming out of the pandemic has really been following my Coco. You know, and having it wow. and having it point me to the right people. You know, it's 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 interesting spending forty years feeling like somebody else in my own skin. And then, yeah. and then there's just a day where, you know, your people call you and it clicks. Wow. That's powerful, Kavika. Thank you for sharing that and for being so transparent. Because some of that stuff, like, that you just described, that stuff hurts. Like, when you're trying to find your identity and find your root 
figure out where you fit in in your family and then big picture in the world, like in your career. And then to be, I like to call it culturally ambiguous to where people can't figure out who you are or put you in a specific cultural or ethnic box and they get frustrated or, you know, they don't want you to do to have pushback at all when you try to defend yourself as you're defining yourself. That's a lot. And that's a real struggle for so for so many people. But I'm so glad that you shared that. So that those who are watching, like I said, now live or in the future can connect to that. And I think the common thread through this whole conversation so far is really us honoring who we are and getting back to our roots and letting those roots, letting the cocoa really guide us, letting that be our compass instead of whatever the world says. And then we end up unhappy or we end up unfulfilled and not helping our people. Right. So thank you so much for sharing that. The next question I have is for Bree specifically. And, you know, the other panelists, you all can can chime in as well. But I really want to um, see what Bree thinks about this. How important, based on the work that you've done, do you think it is for us to represent Coco as um, well as cross-cultural barriers to support allyship? Yeah, I was thinking about this question deeply and I was like, I hope I'm interpreting it correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say that oh, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. <laughs> so the first point of how important it is for us to represent Coco, I think representing Coco is crucial because it's simply representing who we are, right, and where we come from. Uh, personally, I've really found that the more I know where I'm from and who I'm from, the more strategies and resources I have to navigate my life. Um, and I'll say that it's also important generally to have representation because I often hear people say, I don't see people that look like me, right? I don't mm. see people who have the same culture that I do. I don't, I'm not in a lot of spaces where people understand me like to my core. And that alone to me really proves how important it is to have representation and to see people from your community represented in different uh, careers, different spaces. Um, I also say that I lean heavily on folks from the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities because that's how I identify. Um, because they always tend to understand me on such a deep level in a way that I don't also have to explain who I am. Yes. From or how I'm raised, right? I can just tell a story about my family and they can understand it with the context of being from Hawaii, from growing up in a Japanese mm -hmm. household, right? From being multi-ethnic, like folks tend to get that when they have similar identities. And that to me shows how important representation is. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like support and allyship, the more I learn about other cultures and people, the more I realize how interconnected our experiences and our struggles are. Yes. Now that yes. say that, you know, we're not different and unique in our own places and in our own ways because we 100% are, but I truly mm -hmm. believe that, um, the fight for our own liberation will be tied to the liberation of other communities of color, right? And vice versa. If other communities of color have liberation that equally ties to our liberation as Hawaiians. So I'll say that yeah. we can learn so much from the wins and the losses of other communities, and they can learn so much from us in our histories and our journeys as well. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Brie. I, I do agree with you. It's like, yes, um, all of our cultures are different and, and our ethnicities are different. And that's that's OK. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's so much that we can learn from each other, whether it be how we preserve culture, how we honor um, the, his the history and the past and our ancestors and how we want to navigate forward in the systems that we're a part of. 
we all could really help each other and learn something from each other while still honoring who we are as individuals and as communities. Um, Kavika and Michelle, did you have anything you wanted to add? No? Nope. <laughs> Kavika's like, she got it, Brie got it. <laughs> Actually, yeah, echo everything Brie just said and also say that because of her work in academia, there's representation. And then also her work as, as a professor would be working with others of marginal or ethnic backgrounds that are looking for someone that is similar, not exact, but that they can partner with to move forward in academia. And then you look at Kavika who, what is the number one thing that's wrong with our people is that we can't even tell our own stories. Kavika as a writer and director, as a filmmaker is giving that platform, right? It's like, you can make it, but yes. finance it. So there's also an issue too. He's mm -hmm. helping all these stories. And I think that's, mm -hmm. we just need to represent as much as we can, all of us, not just in higher places, but also in student, the student base, you know, they can make student films. They can find what yes. Their uhane on fire, you know, and to move in that way. And I think what most of us probably will struggle with, probably most back home, I hate to say it, is the fear of success because it brings attention and people then like to attack uh, when you're doing yep. it. So it's also about welcoming where everyone is aspiring to be and supporting one another. And it's not indigenous to us, these are learned behaviors. And so yes forward and represent there is fire that comes with that and just to still be you know withstand it and push forward and start to support and like we said earlier you know they the bumper stickers and wearing the team we don't have to because we are and that's why it was like oh you're going to lure i'm like not really and if i go i'm not wearing the whole woo -woo. like i'm you're not gonna catch me with the best right <laughs> anyway that's what i have to say and thank you both for all that you do um, and you too latoya including you as oh. well Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Michelle, I'm going to stick with you so you can unmute your, unmute your mic again. I'm going to stick with you because the next question is for you. We talked about, I love how you, how you showed love and honor Kavika as well in terms of, you know, a lot of times um, whoever controls the pin and in this day and age, whoever controls the camera is writing the history, right? And so Kavika is writing the history and Brie, you're taking that history and packaging it in a in an academia sort of format to be able to work with professors and actually be in a classroom setting or organizational setting, if you will, so some of the um, other work that you've done to be able to not only keep the history alive, but keep it moving forward. Um, so with that being said, Michelle, my next question for you is, you've done a lot to preserve Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian history. So how can viewers, how can people watching preserve Hawaiian culture or just the cultures that they represent in general based on your experience? Well, honor, honor what we know to be truthful, even if it is dark and ugly, I mean, we don't have to also put some emo so much emotion into it. We can share like we're telling a story, like Brie would talk about a story in class or, you know, Kavika would tell the story. You don't read it emotionally when you're doing a table read. You're just reading through it. I think a lot of us have not been shown how to control our emotions or to actually identify. Mm. And so um, I guess if we're going to represent Coco anywhere, um, is to do it in such a way that it's informative and educational instead of saying this is the only way this is the way it is and if you don't believe it and i'm going to cram it down your throat i think it's just make it a conversation to where people can because this is how we communicate in the world today right make it a conversation relay the information in an educational way that leaves the listener with 
wow, did that really happen? Is that, mm. if that happened, I'm sorry for your people. And what can I do to help? Instead, we have others now uh, taking bits and parts of our culture, you know, putting it together and representing it like this is how it's always been. And unfortunately, it's mostly non-Hawaiians doing this because, you know, also we have a responsibility as Kumu or sources of information to make sure that the ano or the integrity is proper. But when we don't even teach non-Hawaiians what is proper, they're they're left with taking bits and pieces from YouTube and other professed self-proclaimed kumus and making up their own so you know that's also a question representing coco and our cultural practices do we work with non-hawaiians do we work with those that don't have coco to give them just enough to be honoring to our cultural practices or do we just continue to leave them in the dark and blast them when they are accused of appropriation so you know another question we should probably ask and move together collectively as people but my job is to make sure, and I, I'm always coming into new information, especially about the, the female, the wahine koa, you know, our koa wahine, they were throughout our history. It just, our history from a lua warrior standpoint was always told from a masculine point of view after the abrogation. Mm. It's not, now. so now like people are like, oh my God, there's no female warriors. Well, how come I, okay, okay. How come I never heard about this at camp? Mm-hmm. Or, no, it's, doesn't matter if you heard of it. if it's in a court case and a researcher finds it it's our history so we you know coming into this truth when i first heard it i was like there's no way and then when you realize it's been it's documented in two court cases like wow since of a whole squad of female warriors during the time of kukani loko and her father king pilibale like you, you start to listen and say, oh my gosh, this is actually, then you become angry. Like, yeah, there's all these emotions when you come into yes. about our history. So then getting a grip on that and being able to relay that properly to even our own people who will completely argue with you. My tutu didn't tell me that. My auntie didn't tell me that. But we actually right. have And then the non-Hawaiians, right? So keeping mm-hmm. in as much as we can. And you know what, being humble enough to say, this is what I found out before, but now I've come into this new information. This is where it was found. And this is really the new record until we find more information. So keeping the integrity is really the best representation. Right. I totally agree. Bree and Kavika, do you have anything to add to that um, based on your experiences? Yeah, I have some thoughts. Sorry, Kavika, for jumping in. I just saw you unmute yourself. Um, wow, I had so many things going through my head. I figured you did. That's why I was like, let me ask, because I know I figured you did, girl. Go oh, ahead. Just going all over the place. But I think yes. the first thing that comes to mind is like, in order to preserve Hawaiian culture, you need to know Hawaiian culture, right? Like, you have to come from a place of understanding. And I would also say, like, just because you know doesn't mean you know everything. Right. I think a lot of people come from this place of like, oh, I know this. And therefore, like, I'm the master and the keeper of this information. And it's just like, well, how are we ever going to progress? Right? How are we ever going to know about right. where you come from if you're not willing to share that information? Or if you're like, oh, you're not deserving and you're not worthy of knowing this. Like, what will make me more worthy than being fine? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's something that really comes to mind is like, just learning. And I will say also like for folks that are teaching and educating others, I've grown up 
in Hawaii, right? Born and raised. And I've always learned about Hawaiian history in a way of like, this is everything that was taken from us. This is all the yes. we lost. These are all of our people that died. This is all of our culture and language that we lost. And it wasn't until I went to college at UH Chilo that I was learned the opposite side of that, the resistance, the fight. Thank you. So when you, when you had to pay for education, then you actually get to learn the real history. Yes. Exactly. And so that completely changed my mind frame and my mindset of what it means to be Hawaiian, right? Because my mm -hmm. like, you're lazy, you're stupid, you sat back and let all these things happen. You lost, you lost, America. your people yeah. lost. You're so mm -hmm. thankful for this. And it's like, no, nah, my people hella resisted, right? Thank really you. About, like the women, right? And our like Mahu community that's always at the front line of all of our movements. Why didn't I know mm -hmm. before, right? Why was mm -hmm. I ashamed of who I was and where I came from when in reality, like I come from mm -hmm. such a beautiful culture, such amazing people that I would have never learned. It seems if I never went to college, right? Or that was the earliest. Wow. I was 19 years old, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just a couple of things I wanted to add, but I'll pass it to you, Kalika. Sorry for jumping on again. No, oh, you're fine. You're no fine. worries. Anytime you want to <laughs> preach this, so you preach. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> we, we, we've seen this from all angles, you know? And I mm -hmm. mean, then you just... You're opening up even more in my mind as we speak about it. But, you know, um, I, go, I go back to that point earlier about, you know, how much of us actually represent ourselves. You know, how much of Hawaii is actually represented by Kanaka, you know, by, by those with Koko, by those with heritage in the know. You know, we, we, we've come to, as, as we've been fused into America, it's, it's, it's been apparent that we don't always own our narrative. You know, and so, mm -hmm. you know, and so in a, it, it's, um, I, I feel more than ever that this, I mean, this is a time where like we have to really speak up for our personal representation just as much as our, our entire Lahui, you know, mm -hmm. it, we, we have, we have an opportunity at this point. And then, you know, thinking about how much of, of the Hawaiian narrative or even just the, 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 what people see or understand as Hawaiian is actually held by us you know i mean mm -hmm. aloha aloha is a 200 uh, 230 billion dollar a year industry or 300 billion dollar a year industry and less Are than and less than one percent of it is actually owned or operated by kanaka i didn't yeah. realize there was a, yeah. a, bi I, I was a billion a economic development committee meeting last year and, uh -huh. and, and they they dropped that that number in the seds meeting and it just it, it blew my mind because and i mean that's it's it's like knowing that anything that you look at on their shelf is not Hawaiian and it's someone selling Hawaiian. But that's, you know, when, mm -hmm. when they took our language and our culture and repackaged it for the de facto state model of, you know, mm -hmm. you know, hula party, luau boats, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of what's been at the core of like what I, I've been fighting in, in, in this conversation in the space of, of media, you know, in getting control of our public access platforms again. Of, of giving us mm -hmm. an actual voice to state who we are, even for as confused as we may be, it's better that it's it's us leading the way, you know, when we have to go dig through, you know, a hundred years of archives to find an answer, it's better than talking Ooh. to someone who says they're the authority and obviously hasn't been at all the entire time, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Who says they're the authority and then also who may not actually know what they're talking about, just because oh. they have a title that was given to them automatically it's the end all be all 
you know so much so much you know that's what i love about having time to to actually you know visit with with my ohana and and you know time with good kumus and and real you know people who have dedicated themselves to understanding their history and the in the timeline of our people and and making sure to to push our culture to new heights because i mean it, it really got worn like a mask in the 80s you know mm -hmm. how, many, how many kids grew up with one fake hawaiian name because someone bought a book in a store in 1988 because some crazy lady wouldn't write them you know and, right uh, exactly people, you know only know what we are based upon some lifetime movie of some guy coming out and changing everything and saving some savage girl from herself oh my gosh you know, when right, i tell you i'm so sick of the narrative i'm sick of it yeah, yeah. you know yeah so i mean there's there, it's it's been too long for us to be subjugated to just being that that character who's saved whether it's yes fiction in television or it's in real life you know yes and granted there may have been stories like that where you know native hawaiians have been saved by others but that is not the totality of the history it doesn't even scratch the surface uh, with that being said i do want to i do have a question for you specifically um in terms of realizing this history and trying to be a creator like you are and not even trying you are a creator and trying to um sort of open up the doors for others to be creatives what's some advice that you have for people who are trying to whether they're native hawaiian or they're from other cultures that are trying to get into this business of um creating indie films writing producing directing everything that you've accomplished um what are and, and sort of trying to overcome some of these hurdles what's some advice that you have for our viewers from the cultural side don't hold yes. back stop hiding who you are you know mm. it works it works easier when you stop hiding that's number one i feel like that needs to be on a t-shirt yeah don't no, hold see, back and then on the back stop hiding <laughs> that's, that's when the whole will come out you know that's, mm. that's when the real story and the narrative begins is when you let it out and you stop mm -hmm. holding it back you know uh from from the the non-creative side, I would have to say, you know, like all of us in this in this day and age of you know being able to pick up a phone and turn it into a movie, you know, the the artist naturally comes out. It's dying to come out these days. You know, we're mm -hmm, we're on mm -hmm. the we're on the cusp of another renaissance. I feel because we we've elevated society yes. in such a way that we have the ability to be artists again. That we have the ability to be thought leaders. It's not just red. You know, it's not just restricted to the upper class everybody mm. thought is free again that's powerful that, that's, that's powerful that's the one place that you know stick to to your manao what you know open yourself to learning more but mm -hmm. if you want to take on the world like you know it goes back to the other conversation knowing the game and then what you're playing in you know you know recognize like michelle that, said like, mm -hmm. you know we we can't we can't change it overnight and get sovereignty and even then if we did what would that look like so then mm -hmm. how do we operate within a system that was obviously made to go against us but then how do we keep our soul while trying to do it you know for, for every kid that's trying to be a director yes ryan coogler the next taika watiti you know the best thing you can do is is learn learn that capitalism game it's it's a hard pill to swallow but mm -hmm. the only reason why I'm sitting here right now is because I, I took the time to figure out the business of doing business rather than the rather than the artistic side of doing I like I let the artist comes out naturally, you know, but well, we're, not, yeah. we're not all equipped to, to do business and take on the world. So, you know, when all of the, you know, the the youth from the college program come to work for me, the first thing I tell them is like, OK, you tell me what you want to be, but you're going to go in this office first. 
You're going to work here for a week. Ooh, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. You're going to hate being mm-hmm. a producer for a whole week so much you know <laughs> that you want to be a writer, that you'll be so mm-hmm. much of a better writer, you know? But, no, that's it. That's um, good. That's good. But I, I, I really have to say, you know, because of, you know, the direction of where the industry is going, you know, it's it's not that they're, they're certainly not afraid of us coming and, and, and taking up a space, but there is, there's certainly, you know, there's not enough chance being taken on new stories. You know, that's, that's how we get stuck in this Western mindset of there are no new stories. It's like, no, there there's 9 billion other stories on this planet. We just choose to only listen to 500 of them. You know, mm. so they, they, they really needs to just stand your ground on your story. You know, when someone tells you, oh, no, I want another episode of Friends. Don't write them friends. You know, do what I think. <laughs> Go write one Moku Moku, you know, and like. Yes. Because Shout as, out to Moku as Moku. The, as the as the industry is changing, you know, people are going to realize that the only way to find a new story is to go look at other people and how they live their lives and their cultures and what they bring to it. This is why Korean cinema is as standout as it is. This is why Chinese cinema is finally growing. This is why even in Europe, Irish cinema stands out against everything else. You know, know, when you look at how they've crafted their, just their vision of what their version of Hollywood and television is, and then you go and you visit their places, you recognize that like America is just a giant echo chamber that tells you this is the way it is and it has to be that wow. way. And you go out and you see the rest of the world, whether it's through your own eyes or like myself through the entertainment industry, you recognize the, 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 all the other continents are moving. All, all the other people are living free lives. They're, they're, there's, mm-hmm. It's all being distributed, but because of where we were put and the colonial setbacks that were put upon us you know we're just led to believe that we can't be mm-hmm. you know we can't have that that platform i think that's so powerful because if, if we think about it nowadays what we're seeing especially okay i'll reveal my age i'm 40 right but there's so many movies that we grew up with you know in, in my little demographic but but now they're just remaking them and I'm like, now y'all mean to tell me Hollywood can't fit all these creative people on the plane and Hollywood can't figure out a new story. You just, all y'all gonna do is just do live action. Go ahead, Michelle. Go ahead, girl. I see I, you. Yes. It, you know, Go ahead. Mika is saying, I think that all of us are dying for authenticity. I, I think yes. That's the same thing over and over again. I yeah. Something authentic um, that we can mm-hmm. uh, So. I, I agree with why we see all these other um, countries uh, doing things differently, and it's so much better than what we're fed. So, uh, mm. yeah, I agree. I agree with both of you. Bree, do you have anything to add? Nope. Okay, Bree's like, oh, it's kind of entertainment's not my thing. But listen, ask me about academia, though, girl. I will go in. <laughs> All right, so we're we're rounding up our hour here, but um, the last major question I wanted to ask you all is, um, it's a little something that I like to do at the end to make sure that our viewers walk away with something, not just our stories, but maybe some tools that can help them. So I'm gonna go around the screen just very quickly and ask the last question, which is, a lot of us have um, had to go through so much whether it be in um, discovering our identity and accepting it and and running with it or trying to make a living in a culture or in a system that is not designed for us. We have run against, come up against obstacles, discrimination, um, othering, all kinds of things. So very quickly, I'd like to ask the panelists, 
what is at least one tool that you have used to uplift you um, when sort of going through some storms or facing these dark challenges at times? Because they do come in life. Life, is, life can be beautiful, but there are challenges in life. So I'm asking for like a favorite podcast. Like, be kind of, you have a podcast. Um, uh, a TikTok, uh, 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 someone you to follow on TikTok, someone's TikTok account, um, a book or music. So I'll start very quickly with Michelle. What is one tool that you have used to to kind of help you overcome some of these challenges as we try to represent Coco? It would be my Lahui. It would be my small circle that I have. It's not actually anything on social media or what I can read. It's actually knowing mm -hmm. the, the very few individuals. If I'm dealing with something in particular, um, you know, what each individual close person to me can actually help me with, what they can hear, what they can comprehend. And if they would actually have my best interest in, in at heart, mm. provide an unbiased um, form of advice. If um, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's that's really what keeps me strong, because I'm confronted with quite a bit um, in mm. the city of Lua and um, being a mixed, you know, <laughs> wahine coming back and forth every other month from the continent yeah. to Hawaii. Now starting to. Yeah. Or at the different colleges and community centers as mm -hmm. a female. So, you know, there's challenges that come with being the only female that's in the public teaching. Right now, there aren't women in training, but, you know, to try to help um, uh, work through the impending arrows and those that have been shot, I go to yes. circle. So I wish I had a yeah. podcast or a TikTok account that. No, it's okay. That's fine. It, that, see, that to me is so important, especially in representing Coco, because really what you're saying is your community is important to you. That's who uplifts you. That's who understands you. That is really essentially going back to our roots. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I love, I love that that's your answer. It's your inner circle. Those who provide a safe space for you, those who understand you that. Yeah, because if anything that I, share gets out it could make my situation worse after i hear absolutely something. some the, a group that you can trust very grateful yep your tribe your tribe <laughs> Bri, i'm gonna um, ask you the same question what's a tool that you can leave with our audience that has helped you kind of uh, uh represent coco but then overcome some challenging times yeah my first thought is therapy that's like number one that was the outlet that i needed Definitely. yes therapy to everyone and it doesn't always have to be like talk therapy or in a therapist mm -hmm. office, right? it can be something that just you find healing for you so I also put like connecting to land and water is really important for me and that's what really drew me back mm -hmm. home because I felt like in the continent I didn't know what my place was I felt like I was always fighting to be like this is who I am this is my community and just coming back home and I don't know, just dipping my feet in the water, I think is something that just brings me back to life. It makes me yeah. do all that, all of those that came before me and all those that live within me now. And so, yeah, those are some things, but I will say like a book that came to mind. One of mm -hmm. my favorite books is the Olalo no Oyao from Mary Kavana Pukui. That, I don't know, just reading Olalo no Oyao's is really the tool that I've used to help me navigate a lot of different situations in life. And mm -hmm. I think just finding an Olelo no Eyal that kind of matches, you know, the vibe that you're in or the season that you're in. I think also knowing like the nuances with Hawaiian words and like reading the Olelo no Eyal that kind of match those or like understanding the deeper yeah. things. 
just yeah. kind of feel like so seen because that book was written so long ago, you know, and it's like, well, all these things are still so applicable. It makes so it relevant, not, yeah. Not too far removed from my kupuna and from my ancestors because the things that were relevant then are still relevant now. So yeah, yep. I feel just a lot more like enlightened when I feel connected, right? When I feel that sense of community, that sense of understanding, the sense of authenticity mm. makes me feel yes. more true to me. Yes, I love that. Great advice. Therapy, so taking care of that mental health and then also with, with the professional's guidance, right? But then also being in touch with the land and the water, going back literally to our roots yet again. Um, maybe even stepping away from technology for a minute and just being in, at one with nature just for a moment can breathe so much life into us. Um, and I love the book that you recommended as well, because that also takes care of the mental, some of the spiritual, um, and then our hearts as well, right? To, to feel connected to our ancestors. Even though it was a book that was written a long, long time ago, there's still relevance today. There's still so much that we can learn and apply in the present from history. Um, I know Kavika, I think he may have lost signal, um, but if he, if he jumps back in, I'll ask him the same question, but um, I'm gonna wrap up because we just have a few minutes left. And the very last question I have for the two of you is, it's kind of a two-parter, it's, what projects are you working on next or are you currently working on and where can we find you on social media to connect with you? So I'll start with uh, Michelle. <laughs> oh, um, okay, so I'm pretty excited. I start uh, teaching a uh, Nakoa, Switzerland this Thursday. So it's a 20 year Awana hula dancers, as well as 20 years of study of uh, Lomi Lomi. It's a, a group there that will start their Lua training uh, this Thursday. Wow. Uh, also, there's an all wahine pa at uh, the the Palua Okala Wahine. Uh, so those 15 women have started training. And so I'm going to finalize their curriculum and create an online classroom for them. I also start teaching regularly at the uh, Papakolea Community College, uh, or excuse me, Community Center uh, up in the homestead. So that's exciting. Um, the regular classes. And then for media, I, I, I'm shooting a short film at the end of this month um, called, called Revival. And um, not much else oh. going on there as far as media just yet. I'm also set to I know. Stop Listen, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because me and Bree just had the same. We just had the same reaction. You're like, oh, not much going on. And we're like, girl, what? I'm trying to keep <laughs> up with the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that much. There's just, I, I'm excited for, for AANHI, I get to actually lead mm -hmm. it hold the, the taser training or stun gun training at the oh, wow. museum. So they're handing out free stun guns to the Asian, uh, American, Asian and Pacific Islander community. So mm -hmm. um, to the is Asian that in California? Is that where, where that's going to happen? Yeah, California. So that's, wow. Uh, okay. That'll just be three hours. But other than that, there's not, I mean, just, there's another article in Black. <laughs> So that'll be the third one featuring Lua and Female Wars. So that's all what I'm about. It's just about oh, wow. our, my job in the next, you know, 10 years is de-stigmify de the female warrior in our culture. So we're not just mm. figment of a magic. Yeah. And that, that's, that's yes. the way I can do that and use media to do that. Because you think of Bruce Lee, he had 15, 12 to 15 students in his basement in Stockton. 
when he went upstairs with his best friend, Leo Fong, and finalized his system and then went to media. We wouldn't even know who he is. And do you think those 12 to 15 students would have gotten JKD out there to the world like he did with media? So if I right. think media, be in a show, be in a film and show our Lua as a, as a Wahine, people are going to be mm -hmm. like, who is she? What art is that? Hawaiian Lua. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's the yes. all the time is to find a larger platform just to show that we did exist and we existed powerfully. And any type of role that I can get like that in the media, I'm all over mm -hmm. that. Hoping for more. We, <laughs> listen, we'll be sending you good energy and praying for you because that's that's incredible. I love your strategy and the fact that you are taking the steps, as Brie mentioned earlier. You don't just have ideas in your mind. You are literally actualizing everything. So we, we look for we look forward to following you and your work. Are you on social media at all? Yeah, so I'm Michelle Monu. So Facebook, Twitter, um, not on TikTok. I don't do those. I am not <laughs> okay. I'm not to make, you know, five to ten minute second videos every day. It's just not part of my thing. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and there's awesome. videos uh, on um, YouTube as well. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will be following you and keeping track of all of your progress and praising you and rooting you on. Bree, I'm going to turn the mic over to you very quickly. What's what's up next for you and where can we follow you on social media? Yeah, we should have started with me. Mine is definitely a lot shorter than that. <laughs> um, I guess as I'm transitioning back to life in Hawaii, um, I just recently joined the board of Utopia Portland. So that's the United Territories of the Pacific Islanders Alliance. It's a nonprofit organization that serves our cutie pie, so our queer and trans Pacific Islanders. Really proud nice. to be on that board, really happy to be doing that work. Um, I'm also going to be teaching my first course, Intro to Pacific Islander Studies at Portland State University this fall. Nice. Yeah, so a lot of like projects in the future to look forward to, but I will say um, I'm on the job hunt right now. And I'm hoping that by being home and that I'm also in this um, like leadership cohort program right now with Moana. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm hoping that all of that combined can really help me figure out how to best serve the Lahui because that's you know what I came home for. That's what I'm really looking forward to doing. Um, mm -hmm. As far as media, I don't have any professional social media. My students just recently. <laughs> it's okay. LinkedIn, and so I really feel like I need to get on LinkedIn, but I still haven't done that. Um, but yeah, folks want to connect with me, please feel free to send me an email. It's briekalima at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, always happy to connect with folks. Awesome. Thank you, Brie. And you know what? We are sending you good vibes and prayers and positive energy for the right door to open for you. You have so many gifts and so much talent. Any any company would be actually blessed to have you. We just wanted to be the right match. And really big kudos to you for moving back home to where to where your spirit can actually have peace and then hopefully have di the direction that you're looking for as well. Um, so that being said, I want to turn the mic over to the creator of this whole podcast, the woman who brought us together, Moana. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you to the panelists. Um, and thank you, Moana, and also Dana, who's not on right now for creating this opportunity for us to talk about representing Coco and what it means to us and how it's influenced our lives. Moana? Uh-oh, we can't hear you. I think you're muted. That's oh, <laughs> the mute button again. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say like, that was such a great conversation. Um, it was even better than I thought it was gonna be. And so many strong points that were made. But I think the one, like the two that like really stuck home for me is like 
stop hiding who you are, you know, like the identity, yes. I feel like is so important. Um, you know, someone asked me, you know, if you had to give a TED talk, like, what would you want to talk about? And for me, it's like the importance of your cultural identity. Like, we don't emphasize that enough um, because that is what distinguishes and makes us unique and like connects us back to our people and our people and our mana. And so um, I'm so glad yes. that other people highlighted that in, in this particular conversation, because for me, that is what representing Coco is, right? Like you, yourself, your community, your ancestors, and being responsible and accountable back to them. Um, and, you know, doing your part as part of a community and a Lahui, right? Like everybody has to do their part, otherwise we cannot be successful. Um, and so I'm so excited um, to, to really um, drive that home. We might have to make that into a Moana Nui t-shirt. Stop hiding who you are. Oh, I love that. And that was Kavika. Kavika lost, lost reception, I think, but we're so grateful that he was able to join and Bree and Michelle. Yeah. Like, they all had some wisdom for us. Yes, and I will say, um, for, I'll speak for Kavika because his phone died because he was out. He's out in the field right now, but his yeah. is at 808mokumoku on all social medias. Um, they're really... Um, doing a lot of great work with that particular series right now. I cannot wait to see that thing come. Me like, too. Various already. Okay, just gonna say rodeo prostitute. Like, what is that? Not the rodeo prostitute. Okay, now I need to really tune in because I'm curious now. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I keep saying them. What does that mean? But his family yeah. is Paniola, and so it goes back to like the, our cowboy culture um, in Hawaii. But the other one that I also wanted to, to shout out real quick is, I think it was Bree that said it, like, is celebrating all of those who live in me now. Like, mm. your ancestors are always with you, you know, especially when you are living on a continent, you can feel alone because we're not as surrounded as we are back in Hawaii. But I think over the last couple of years, like that seems to be the message that I've been hearing from like multiple sources. So I'm really trying to like internalize that and help myself feel more, um, more whole and, and not as disconnected as I should be because really my kupuna and my ancestors are always with me because they live within my koko. Um, so mahalo to you guys for bringing those. There's so many more. I have like four big stickies right here that I'm going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just wanted to mahalo and thank all of you tonight um, for your wonderful conversation. Okay. Latoya, as always, you host a wonderful panel. Um, so insightful and really celebrating our panelists and everything that they're doing. Um, and as I always um, offer, you know, like as you guys are working um, in your projects and things, if there's things that the Moana Nui podcast can do to help amplify your voices, I know, Kumu, Michelle, we're going to be talking some more about your stuff because I'm with Brie and Latoya. She's like, oh, you know, not really nothing going on. Like, brah, in like one week, you got like five big projects. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I get tired just listening. I'm like, what? I'm like, girl, when you go to sleep? <laughs> and then she's like, she was like, yeah. Because I'm going to California, so I'm going to hook up with Kumu, Michelle again. I'm looking for oh, nice. and 
sharing space and just you know having some good good food because that's another and, and, our cocoa. and speaking of yes the food like can we talk about the food but also the connection like finding our tribe but i i just want to just put one little little thing out there brie and michelle i just really feel like y'all should connect after this and stay in touch not only because of the the educational aspect but also the preser preservation of culture the way you two are choosing to do that i think that y'all could help each other out in some ways and um you know just continue to keep this positive energy moving forward so i hope that you two connect <laughs> and that the connection doesn't end here yes absolutely i second i can sense some synergy that could happen <laughs> all righty well thank you to our viewers whether you're watching the the live broadcast or the replay um i hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as we did if you would like to hear more content like this, please follow the Moana Nui podcast on YouTube, Twitch, um, and all of the different podcast platforms at Moana Nui podcast, and you should be able to find us there. Uh, we broadcast live every Thursday at 7 and 8.30 p.m. Eastern time with lots of wonderful topics. We have a professional development segment that happens monthly, a mental health segment, and we also have a nerdy segment for like people who love pop culture. Um, and we love also um, celebrating our indie creatives who are really trying to bring those new stories and those new perspectives to film, to media, to, you know, to the world. Um, even if it takes us a little bit longer, like we are out here and we definitely appreciate everyone's support um, as we are continuing to do this wonderful work. So with that said, um, on behalf of Dana and I, we hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your week and continue to celebrate May Heritage Month for the Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander communities. Mahalo, everybody. Malamapono. Mahalo. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free, it was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it Sea the Lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No work for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will We will So if we put Hawaii in a perspective Well, black and Asian history is interconnected Considering the fight with the Pacific Then 
And of course, versus Asia, they was treated as a middleman for war But didn't let the western colorism run its course Cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to core The land was taken in the name of capitalism When prior to it was an actual kingdom Clap back at the system Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Koholave As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice no consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation The work out for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will We will